Hi, this is Erica Bogan. Thank you for listening to the I Am Spartan podcast with Scott Knowles. I am Scott the Fane Knowles, and you're listening to another episode of I'm a Spartan OCR podcast. On this episode, Philip Mintak tells us all about the Killington Ultra and a lot of other ultras that he's done as well. He's an ultra guy. If you go to an ultra in the U.S., 99% of the time, Mintak's going to be there too. And you know me, I love chatting ultra races with people. So this was a good episode, and I hope you enjoy it too. Philip Mintak, what is going on today, brother? Dude, it's, you know, it's, it's all going, man. And you know what? When when you hit me up about this, I was like, you know, Scott has got to be pretty brave <laughs> to hit to hit up a, an ult, a Spartan Ultra Chaser days before an Ultra World gets canceled. And so you know I'm going to probably be like whining and moaning about this in the beginning, but it's, it's going to be a good man. listen, man. <laughs> Dude, I mean, I'll only bring badasses on the show, and you're a badass, so, I mean... I, I don't know why I've waited so long to bring you on, dude. But hey man, I definitely appreciate it, man. <laughs> man, that does suck about Tahoe, man. Did you like are you still gonna like go out there so or were you able to like, you know, cancel your flights and get your money back? No, so I mean luckily I lucked out because I didn't book anything. I was just waiting last minute, like you know, I was just taking a gamble. Right. And if it were to go, then I was, all right, I'll, I'll hunt the money and go ahead and fly out. I already registered, but I just never booked anything. And so when I got the bad news, you know, nothing changed. And so, um, you know, I went to my little corner and cried a little bit, but, you know, I just didn't lose out on any money. So I'm, I'm not going out there. I'm going to find something local uh, possibly to do. And and just see where this weekend takes me, dude. Come Savage Georgia this weekend, man. You know, you know what? I was looking at that. I, I you know what? I might don't don't hold me to it, but I I'm definitely considering Savage Georgia, dude. If you want to, I can hit Michael up. You can probably crash at his house. He lives like five miles away from that venue. Oh, okay, that's gonna be sweet. Um. Definitely put that as a possibility because I'm looking for something to do this weekend to uh, cope with the, the Tahoe Blues. That's what I call right. it. The Tahoe Blues. The, yeah. what, 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 what are they calling the fires? Mos, mos, mosquito fires? Mosquito. Is that what yeah, yeah what? mosquito fires. Is it like sucking the daylights out of the land? I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I don't, that's what I, why, do, why are they calling it that? I don't know. I have no idea. I don't know they're anything about anything they want to. <laughs> I don't know the far farthest west I've ever gone is Texas, man. So, and that's not that's like central, right? Anyway. Okay. Well, all right, Philip, man. I've seen you at the races, man. We've been friends for a little more than two years now, but like, I don't know what you do for a living, man. Yeah. So I am. I work in cybersecurity. I work uh, as a cybersecurity engineer here in Charlotte, North Carolina, uh, for Bank of America. Hey, I use that uh, bank. Yeah. <laughs> hey. <laughs> well, 
I'm protecting. I'm, I'm helping not having your stuff hacked. So uh, be right. grateful for that. And um, don't and be fucking it. with my accounts now that you know I'm there now, man. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just you know, fudge the numbers. You know, it'll be all right. Now, but, if you want to um, like add some money, man, I won't tell a soul. I promise, dude. <laughs> well, well, see, what I was saying was I was going to add money to my account, you know, from yours, not from the other mine. way around, Scott. <laughs> and then be like, I handle security. There's no problems whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no, nah, man. But, um, but yeah, you know, that's what I do. That's what funds these trips. That's what funds the, the passion, the Spartan races, you know, and everything in between. It's a really good gig. I, I really enjoy working there. It's a perfect work-life balance as you can see i'm all over the country and so um yeah it, it pays the bills it pays the races do you work from home or do you have to like go to the office um it's it's about it's a mix i can go into the office uh i i'm required to go in about three days or more a week and oh, i sweet. have two days to work um from home or remote so usually i use friday and monday as my travel remote days if you will um so i don't i don't miss too many days uh for spartan weekends especially if it's a trifecta weekend that's awesome and i'm i'm back in on tuesday wednesday thursday well that works out great for spartan racing don't it oh it's perfect man yeah i know man and you i mean you're definitely balling man because i don't think you've missed any ultras in the u.s this year have you big bear um I miss Big Bear, and I'm not doing Dallas this year too. So wow. I'm, I missed a couple, but I am, I've been ultra chasing like crazy this year. I and know. I'm loving it. Yeah, man, I can tell. I can tell, man. So, like, how did you find OCR? I know you started in around like 2015, the same time I did, right? Yeah. So in it was 2015. Um, I was contracting for the U.S. Army then. I was a cybersecurity engineer for them uh, for about a year. So um, I was in a service, and I was um, I was an officer. So um, what I was doing, I was I was working out, and I was I was just working pull ups, push ups, all the all this army stuff to help me um, to help me become a, you know a better leader in the service. And what I started doing was I started posting these on my social media. And so my coworkers came around and they said, hey, have you heard of Spartan Race? Um, they're coming to Fayetteville. And this was around the summertime when they usually come around. And um, I said, no, I've never heard of it. And so I, they said, look it up, because what you do and what you post online, you would definitely dominate one of these. And so <laughs> sure enough, I looked it up. I said, this is amazing. And so I ran with the team and, um, and loved it. We did the, the Fayetteville Sprint. And that was the only race I did uh, for that weekend. And I just fell in love with it. And um, later that year, I did um, Carolina Beast, which was, you know, back in when it was at the um, in South Carolina at the at the ATV park. Right. Winsboro. And I, yeah. Winsboro. It was at a Winsboro park. And um, I raced that one there, and I raced those two that year, and it's ta it had taken off ever since then. Like, every year after that was just trifecta chasing and seeing what other races were out there that I was able to run. And, and that's how it all started. It, it, they, the bug got me, and that's how it all kicked off. Yeah, so I saw in your results that – your your first mountain race was the last uh 
super, I mean, wintergreen super. I was there too. What'd you think of that race? Dude. (laughs) So I was with two other friends and that place might as well have been Killington, right? I mean, you said you were there. Yeah. You agree with me. Like it was rough marches. Yeah. Yeah. Death marches everywhere. And, Oh, it took me, what was it? You know, super then was, I think it was 8.8 yeah. mile, uh, miles. It took us like over six hours to complete. Yeah. We were hurting and that was the last of that, thankfully. But at the same time, I kind of wish it was back now because, you know, I'm, I'm stronger. I'm right. more mature. I'm a more avid racer. I kind of want revenge on it, but that was one of the hardest races of that year that I did. That was a fun <laughs> race too. And I, I remember that rock garden that we ran through that was like at the oh. bottom of a hill and the rocks were just huge too, man. Oh yeah. I was, I was looking at that too. I remember exactly what you're talking about yeah. because it was just, you couldn't run through it. You had to kind of squeeze your way in between the rocks right. because they're so jagged and so big yeah it was ridiculous and and the the bucket carry was you know kind of like an uphill loop and then yep. it, it curved around downhill it was craziness <laughs> yeah i think that was the the only race where i think i had an ass cheek like cramp on me from all the climbing because <laughs> at that point i i didn't i didn't run uphills at all you know so it totally caught me off guard i was so sore and i had to drive like 12 hours home the next day <laughs> oh man yeah i mean you and me both i mean i didn't get any cramps but you know i was a baby spartan then and i had no idea what it was. i was getting myself into it was it, it was so painful but those are one of those races i'll never forget yeah i know man and like it's one of those that I was glad I was able to do it if it never comes back, you know, because it's one of those legendary races they, they'll always talk about, too. And, but it was an inconvenient race, you know. I volunteered that week a couple of times because I went up there and stayed the whole week before. So I had volunteer parking, so I was able to park up at the the race but you know you had to shuttle up that mountain mm-hmm. to get there so it was an inconvenient uh race to go to because of the shuttle buses for sure so like when did you start leaning towards ultras or found that you like to do the ultra races the most yeah so you know it started in 2015 i was just doing these these short little races getting my feet wet um 2016 i wanted to get um get more out there gain some trifectas um it wasn't until 2019 when i started and i'm staring at my buckles right now just to make sure i'm accurate um yeah 2019 <laughs> 2019 it was when i i decided i said hey like like what are what is the, what are these ultras like i've been i've been racing you know i've been racing for what four years three or four years you know doing beast and supers and sprints like like i want something more challenging and so 2019 rolled around and, and, and Jersey, um, the, the April Jersey, mm. um, ultra popped up and I said, you know what, how bad can it be? <laughs> and so I went in and registered, uh, for it, um, tried to fly up. Um, the weather was terrible Awful. and ended up uh, driving from Philly to Jersey because they had to divert, oh, um, man. instead of going to Newark, they went to Philly and I was like, I can't miss this race. And so it was definitely an adventure before going, but, um, 
2019 was kind of where it started and i race i raced the ultra that saturday and that was back when they were doing ultra saturday and beast on sunday and i ended up racing both of those that day because i wanted two beasts to uh increase my trifecta count for that year yeah you know and it sucks because they're not doing that anywhere no more you know they aren't you know and you know what if killington were to have it too this past week Better believe I would have done the beast. Oh man! On Sunday, <laughs> I, I, I was going to do the sprint if if Tim would have would have decided to do the sprint. You know, I was going to, but I had like a a huge blister on the bottom of my foot from the ultra the day before. So I was like, you know what? I'm just going to chill today. <laughs> well, well, yeah. Not to mention too, the day before. I mean, you were you know you were in some kind of yeah pain or yeah so, yeah. But, I was pretty. Know, I'm pretty sure that's going to be a topic for later in this yeah. podcast. <laughs> I was pretty messed up from the day before. So I, I also saw that in 2019, you did the Carolina Ultra as well. Tell us about how that went. Dude, and <laughs> you were there too, right? Yes, I was. Oh my gosh. Okay, so yeah, so you know. The Ultra that was supposed Carolina to be Ultra. easy. <laughs> Oh, man. So it started out with a drizzle, right? Like we were just standing there, you know, waiting to to step off. And, you know, the weather wasn't bad until, you know, the second lap. And so I'm, I'm cruising through the first lap and, and the weather just gets worse and worse. The rain is coming down. The weather isn't getting any warmer. Mm-hmm. It's so cold. I'm, I'm underprepared, by the way. So I was coming into this saying, oh, it's Carolina. I don't need. I don't need any jackets. I don't need any kind of this or that. And so here I am dressed like a summer racer <laughs> coming into this, this 2019 Carolina Ultra. And so the only thing I had with me, so I, I cruised through the first lap. I think I get through it in like two and a half hours. I, I'm booking it. I'm like, I want to get through this race. I just want to, like, the weather's not looking good. I need to go. I get into transition. And the only thing I have with me is an emergency blanket. And I'm shivering at this point. I'm so cold. And and I I get under this emergency blanket to warm myself up. I, I eat an everything cookie and hydrate and replenish my vest. But at the same time, I'm standing there and I'm like, like, do I do I need, do I even want to go out here a second <laughs> time? Because Dude, at, at that point, it was so cold. The, the weather, yeah, the temperature dropped. The, the rain wasn't letting up. I yeah. said, I said, this is going to be a, a, a crazy second lap if I do this. And so I just, I just sat there for a few more minutes, finished my nutrition, and gave myself a little pep talk. And you know, out of transition, right? You have to crawl through this tube to get out of transition. That was the worst. That? Yes, that was the worst. <laughs> <laughs> it was so crazy, and so, and so, I, I, I throw, I, you know, I throw my e blanket off like some kind of, you know, um, John Wick thing that you know they throw the cloak off and pull out a machine guns kind of fashion, <laughs> and and I'm like, I'm like, we're going, and I crawl through that tube. And, you know, I told you the first lap um, took two, two and a half hours. Overall, Ultra took me almost 12 hours. So that second lap was miserable. Damn, man. It was, dude, yeah, eight, nine hours on that second lap. (sighs) And I was cold to the bone. See. Oh. I ran it 
and I, I just had like a sleeveless compression shirt on, you know, and I knew it was going to get cold, you know, especially like towards the second lap. And I remember my fingers getting numb like a couple of times, Yeah. but every, I, I had the energy at that race to where I was able to run 90% of it, even though I was hurting like hell because my hip flexor flared up really bad, but I never found myself getting like super cold, but you know, me and Brian, we were together pretty much the whole time on the first lap. This was back when Brian was slow when he did ultras and now he's like beating <laughs> us by an hour now. I, so, I think the tattoos gave him all the speed. Yeah, it's his Tiger King speed. And so <laughs> like on the second lap, you know, I kind of started walking off a little bit from him. And I remember finishing the ultra loop and seeing him go in and I was like, damn, he must be hurting. And then, so I finished the race and I remember seeing Sheila coming up through like the end and Sheila says, he's like, where's Brian at? And I was like, I was like, he's back behind me somewhere, you know, and come to find out like he had made it to like mile 30 and DNF'd because he just got so cold and he was shivering. And if I remember right, I don't think he had a lot of gels either, so... He, like was, he, he doesn't race heavy. He races really light, yeah, even to this day. Yeah. We don't weigh but like 110 pounds. Yeah, well, what I'm, tell, what, <laughs> what I'm saying, though, is that he races with, with nothing. Like, he doesn't have a vest. He doesn't have yeah. He doesn't have much on him to 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 replenish his his calories yeah. when he races ultras. Like, he's, he, he's pretty tough. Like, he's, yeah. he's a whole different type of human, in my opinion. hated that so bad because i know if even if i mean i was finished but i wish i'd have been like on the sidelines and been like no brian get up you can do this man just start moving do some burpees warm up you know because i mean he just got cold they said he was like saying stuff wasn't making sense if i remember right oh my gosh yeah Yeah. and that's that's crazy you know fast forwarding to today that's crazy to hear that something was like that would ever happen to yeah. him. but it, you know it, it happens to all of us you're right and you know. and come around i mean it, i remember too because come around that second lap they you know um after like first of all rolling mud and donkwa was totally washed out yeah. when they came back around at the second loop and then they cut they they cut the um they cut off that that the last part of the race where you kind of dip down in there because all that was washed out too. So yeah, that I don't heel think was I getting raced sketchy. the whole distance. Yeah. I will, I think I made it through like the dunk wall and the barbed wire right before they closed it, I think. Because like when I was in the barbed wire crawling, like if you would have rolled through it, like you you would have been going underwater. It's like you had to go on all fours. <laughs> And it was coming, the water was like halfway up to your elbow at that point, you know. So it was, yeah. you know, it was it was a crazy race, you know. And, and, it, and it sucks for Brian, too, because that was a, a really suffer fest of a race to make it that far and not be able to finish. I always hated that for him. Oh, it, it was. And, and that, yeah, I'm with you there. To reach mile 30 and to just DNF like that, it's it's got to be, like, really bad because, you know, like you said, if he's not if he's not in saying right words and all that stuff, yeah. I mean, it's for the safety of it. But right. at the same time, you know, when he comes back, too, he's probably going to be like, 
why did you guys pull me off the course? I was so close, you know, that kind of thing, because it's just the way yeah. the Spartans are. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, how many ultra races have you done total? It's like 10 or 12, right? So career-wise, and again, I'm staring at my collection. I think I posted two recently. Um, I think Killington made it 19 um, career-wise. Um, this year alone, I have I have um, four – no, I have five brake pads for this year. So <laughs> I, I can complete a car. But, uh, but yeah, 19 career-wise so far, uh, Spartan Ultras. That's awesome, especially since you started in 2019, too. Oh, yeah. I, 2019 just kicked it off. And one, as soon as Jersey was done, I was kind of hooked. And, and I just I was just scoping out every ultra there was uh, left for that year um, when as soon as I finished Jersey. And so I did Tahoe. I have a Dallas one here. I did Hawaii in 2019. Um, Carolina, of course, um, I wasn't leaving that venue without a buckle. I was going to swim if I had to, <laughs> but, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, after that, it, it just became an addiction, man. It, the ultras just, I just got hungry. Yep. Ultra on your left, man. No, oh, ultra on your left. Ultra on your mom. <laughs> <laughs> that's the new one from Killington. That's, that's the new catchphrase that me and, uh, Philip made this past weekend when we'd pass each other, we kept saying ultra on your mom, you know, cause you don't want to say ultra on your left to somebody who's already an ultra, you know, it's kind of insulting. So just say ultra on your mom. <laughs> ultra on your mom all get a, day. Get a good yeah, laugh. Killington, <laughs> Killington too. We had, we had to find some way to, to entertain ourselves from the suffer fest in Killington. So ultra that's right. On your mom. <laughs> that's right. So you've done like a lot of the harder ultras you've done montana utah jersey tahoe hawaii so pretty much you've done all the hard ones except for big bear but and then you finally did killington this year which one of those yeah. venues to you was the hardest i mean so far killington lived up to its name it, it honestly did and minus, you know, minus the, the Hawaii race, or the Hawaii Ultra I did this year, um, all because of it was it was me. It wasn't the course because, um, as you know, or if you don't know, I, I bonked on the Hawaii Ultra this year. Um, just poor nutrition, poor hydration. It was um, hot, too, wasn't it? Poor preparation. Didn't it get really hot there, that race? It got really hot. Um, I was told that it was hotter than last year, but but see, I don't. I, I can't compare it. It was so long ago, and I podiumed and, and got second in my age group last year, and then I show up this year and almost die. So I don't know what a difference in temperature would have been to cause that, but I know for sure that it it was a mix as well that I wasn't I wasn't prepared. And plus, like I was with the I was with a buddy of mine. He he want he. He wanted to go and, and hide the cocoa stairs the day before. Oh, Lord. So here I am climbing up this crater um, hours, like less than 12 hours before an ultra. Oh, and shit. I'm, <laughs> and just kill myself the day before. And so you're probably dehydrated from that. Oh, I, I definitely did. And so um, I, I definitely contributed. It's, it's definitely my fault. It's, you know, I, I kind of learned a lot of lessons that race. But um, aside from all that, um, Killington definitely lived up to its name because um, 
it, it was just it, it was it was a monster. I mean, just right out the gate, just going straight up for what it felt like two or two and a half miles. <laughs> it just felt oh, like forever, wow. and it just never never ended. And so, um, Killington by far, with Utah being a close second. Right. So, and that was going to be my question too, because I've never done any of the hard West Coast uh, ultras. So, in your opinion, why is Killington harder than, say, Utah or Tahoe, in your opinion? Um, well, so, I mean, Utah definitely starts out um, higher in elevation. I think it starts at like 6,000 feet, and you go up to like 14,000 or something like that. Right. Um, Killington, I think, is a little bit lower, but, but what makes Killington a lot more difficult is the climbs are longer, and... And you seem to have little space to kind of open up, in my opinion. So it does it does even out. I mean, you know, when you get to the top, you know, we get to that service road and right. and we're able to run it out a little bit, but not for long. Not so long. Utah, um, Utah, it, it was the same deal going out the gate. It, it was a two mile hike up this up this really high mountain, and then you hit Olympus. And then um, after that, you hit these switchbacks that you can just cruise for a really hot, good minute, right. and it's so good. Um, it's it's really nice. You're going you're going right just up and around, and it's and it's slightly downhill. And so that's where I was able to make up time and was able to open up and really just grind it down. Um, same went for the ultra loop. I mean, the summit for for Utah, it wasn't as steep and crazy as as Killington's ultra loop. Right. But instead, you got you went up to this huge summit, and you can see just everything once you got to the top. You did two obstacles, which were like two carries, and then you you made your way back down, and you could you could bomb it down as fast as you want to. I, I think I had recorded, um, not this year. I didn't have, I didn't record, I didn't Strava my, my race for Utah this year, but last year coming downhill from that ultra loop, I clocked at about like a five and a half minute mile. Jesus. <laughs> it was crazy. That is crazy. <laughs> it, was, it was insane. But, uh, so yeah, that, so that's what makes Killington, um, definitely harder than Utah because it's just, it's more more climbs and less opportunities to kind of open up in, in most places that I've remembered in Killington. Yeah, because, you know, thinking back, it, this, this race this year at Killington, it's like you're either going up or you're either going down. And when you're going yeah. down, it's either you're going down the side of a ski slope where the grass is tall and you can't really see much, or you're going down through some woods where there's barely a trail there and it's technical as crap. And it's like, and most of the time when you get on a service road at Killington, it's usually like a connector that's either taking you to another climb or taking you to another steep ass slope that you're about to run down. You know, it's like the service roads were the only time you would get like a little bit of flat terrain to, to run on, you know? So I'm, I, I totally agree with you there. Yeah, and the Ultra Loop this year at Killington was it it, it sucked. And where they had oh that split, God. they had that split where it was like beast this way and Ultra go up this steep ass mountain. You're like, yes, 
You're like son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I was I was already mad when I got to the um the the turn off because I was like, oh my gosh, like there's more. Yeah. There's you know, let's see what they got in store because every time now, especially after racing Jersey, like you know the Ultra Loop in Jersey was just playing crazy. Yeah, it was. And so I was when I when I got to the the fort there in Killington to the Ultra Loop, I was I was saying to myself. This is probably going to be worse than Jersey. Oh God, it was. And sure enough, it was like an uphill sandbag carry and all that stuff. I was like, oh my goodness, man, that sandbag carry on the Ultra Loop was oh. so freaking sketchy, dude. Oh, there was man. like a stream running through it. It was muddy as hell. Like I busted my ass two times, and you know we were there kind of early before it got torn up from the racers going through it i'd hate to been the last ultra person going through that old that sandbag carry because it would have sucked oh yeah i i agree with you because you know it was it was a loop right so i was i was just trudging uphill and i was looking on the other side of people going downhill because i was like okay all i have to do is make it uphill and then i can just like coast it downhill but people were were just sliding and and hitting holes and and dips and all that and i was like okay well maybe it's not as easy as i feel as i thought it was and so i just ended up not you know i lost the opportunity to make up time there but oh my gosh that fan bakery was definitely brutal yeah i was happy when we got off that ultra loop and i was like i'm glad i don't have to do that again yeah, I was. I told a volunteer, I was like, "This is the last time I'm going to see you today." I'm so glad I don't have to see. Yeah, I don't have to see this ever again. <laughs> For real. And, so and we just we just kept trudging on, man. We kept going. We yeah, made man. it. I know, man. And dude, like seeing you, like I think we had like three miles to go when I saw you. And I remember when I saw you, it's like you kind of like had this look on your face, like this sucks. <laughs> And I went, man, it it was good to see you and just see somebody else that I knew that was suffering and I was suffering and I was like, come on, let's finish this shit together, man. And it was awesome having you there in the last few miles. Yeah, I mean, exactly. But not only did I look tired, but when I saw you on the course, I was, I was kind of confused because I know you, dude, you're like, you're super fast. You, I never, like, one, as soon as I hear Ultra on your mom, I usually <laughs> never hear or see you ever again on the course. But for me to run into you like that, I was like, something's wrong. And sure enough, you know, you told me, you know, what was going on and what, what issues you were having, you know, how you couldn't hold down food. And I said, I said, oh, shoot. Okay, well, you know, take it easy. We're almost there. Yeah. Like, you know, to your, what you said on the course or during the race, you said, hey, just, just got to finish. And I was with you all the way there. I was like, I feel you, man. Let's let's go. And yeah, it was definitely great seeing you out there too. And you know, just just suffering through the bucket carry yeah. together. And, and I know a few steps and sitting down and all that crazy stuff. Because it seemed like I was every time I would climb a hill, that's when I would get nauseous. And then we'd run down a hill and I'd get to feeling better. And, but it was like, I don't know what it was, but just climbing, jacking my heart rate up. And so I was dreading the carries, man. And so, you know, I see like people just setting the bucket down. And I was like, that's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to go up a little bit, set it down, take a little breather, a little 30 second, one minute breather and just pick it up and keep going, man. And it was just, it was just, 
and it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. I was dreading it the whole second lap, and then when we finally got to those last carries and I was just pacing myself doing it, it wasn't that bad. And I remember we both got to the top of that hill with a bucket carry, and we were both sitting on top of our buckets, and I was like, you know what? This race is almost over. I mean, this was one of the hardest carries right here, and we're already you know, over the hard part of that carry, so I knew we had it finished at that point. Oh yeah, I, and I definitely, I definitely hear you on that because I know as soon as it turned around and started going downhill, I think I saw you like just sprinting down with that bucket. Yeah. And, <laughs> and then you know, after that, it kind of flattened out. You know, it gave us a little bit of leeway to run, and and that's when I was able to catch up with you. And um, and who was there was another guy with us, but he was all running beef. He was paid. Yeah. 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 He, he was, was hanging out with and, me pretty much the whole second lap. Because he said that he was like going to join in and be like, man, I'm going to try to keep up with you on the second lap. I probably won't be able to. And it was, I was, wasn't able to keep up with him. Like he would like go to the top of the hills or finish the carries and then he'd wait on me. And he was good moral support. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Cause like, I think we all need that every once in a while yeah. to, to get us through these races because, you know, the the success rate is just ridiculous for yeah. Killington. Because he had run a 50-miler like the weekend before, and he wasn't he wasn't even really going to come. And then I was like, man, just come up here and hang out. And he's like, well, I might just come up there and hang out with you on the second lap. You know, maybe I can keep up with you. <laughs> so I was like, I think he got tired of listening to me bitch and moan. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think all of us were doing that. <laughs> I think he was getting tired of hearing me dry heave. I know that. <laughs> oh, my. So, yeah, as soon as I started my second lap and went up to that death march, so many ultras on the side of the mountain just throwing up and dry heaving. I felt so bad for him. Like, like for me, luckily, I was I had my nutrition down. So yeah. I was eating throughout the whole race. But right. But there's so many out there that were just suffering so bad on the side of the mountain. It was crazy. And man, I used to always keep, always keep Pepto-Bismol in my bucket. And just, I, I just figured, you know what, I've got a pretty much an iron gut. I ain't never had problems, you know, like that. So I just quit putting it in there. And the damn time I yeah. need it, it ain't in there. But I wonder if it even would have helped, you know, because, you know, it's because... I'm tired of eating. It's not because I'm actually having a problem with it, but shit, if I'd have had it, I'd have tried. <laughs> yeah, I mean, every little bit would have helped, right? I think anything at that point would have helped. I was, yeah, I was out there just taking salt tablets, and um, I always eat pizza in transition now. I figured that was my winning, that's my winning food. Maybe I should try And Oh, you, you need, yeah. I mean, I if anyone anyone here listening, if, if they have any questions about nutrition or if they are scared about nutrition, because a lot of people lose their, that I talk to, they don't have appetites to eat, but you have to eat. You have to fuel the machine yeah. while on the course, whether you're hungry or not. And it's all about forcing food in so that you can maintain the calories. But yeah. I've heard so many people just look at me cross-eyed when I tell them I eat two slices of pizza, you know, 18 miles into a race and with 13 so to go (laughs) but it works man i love it well and and, you know you i just get tired of eating sweet stuff too you know because all your you know you're eating gels and they're sweet and you got honey stinger waffles and they're sweet you know and i actually put pringles in my bin this time you know just in case i wanted something salty but man it was at that point i just i didn't want anything i didn't want anything you know so yeah 
So, Philip, you knew you were doing this race, and, and you knew it's known to be one of the hardest races. Was there anything that you were doing differently to, like, to prepare or train for it? Not really. I mean, there's really not much elevation here in Charlotte for me to practice on, but I know that, you know, I've raced Utah, I race Hawaii. I, I get my training comes from the races primarily. Right. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong. I do train during the week to, to get me where I got, I'm at to you today, but, um, no, uh, nothing, nothing out of the ordinary that, that, um, that I, I switched up or anything. It was just my regular regimen. Um, I usually get, I, I get PT doctored. I get, um, I get massage and dry needled, uh, usually a few days before, hmm. And then I come in and I hydrate with usually a coconut water or some kind of electrolyte mix and I carb up, I'll, I'll eat pizza and, and hang out. I did go to the hot tub at, at the resort I was staying at the night before. So that, um, I'll contribute it to that too. I was, that was really fun and felt good. But <laughs> other than that, nothing changed. So it was just me and, and my like enthusiasm. Like I was pumped. I was there with a, with the group um at the resort we were just all pumped and hyped to get out there and that's what got us through hell yes what's up so you said you were dry needling like are you what what type of dry needling are you doing like your entire body or just certain locations you have problems with um so um mainly calves so so my doctor will hit the calves and um and lately like she's been hitting the hip flexors which I, that used to be a huge issue, and this was years ago, where I would just, my hip flexors would give out like halfway through an ultra. Now, I don't have that issue anymore. I've kind of conditioned them and ran so many ultras and long distances that it's no longer a problem. But um, but lately, yeah, she's been hitting my hip flexors, like just throwing needles um, around the pelvic and, and, and rear hip area. And oh my gosh, it does wonders. And then after that, um, I, I they put me in these compression boots that just squeeze my legs and you know so just rejuvenates everything. And I'm like good as new walking out, and I'm ready to race for that weekend. It's amazing. I've heard that that dry needling hurts like hell on your penis. How does that feel? <laughs> <laughs> Haven't tried yet, but you know. <laughs> Hence the yet, you know, and you know, I'm all, I'm all about like doing crazy stuff. So it's just a matter of time. <laughs> That'll be for a different podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so was, did you have like a different strategy about doing, you know, Killington as a race? Like, you know, were you going to like pace it a little differently or was it just one of those things where I've done mountain ultras before? I'm just going to go in like I always do. So, yes, I, I did have a game plan or an attack plan for this the morning of because of the elevation. I I told myself, hey, you know what, let's because usually I go out hot. I love going out hot no matter how bad it hurts. I love going out hot no matter the distance. But this one, I said, you know what, I I. I I, I wanted to pay more respect to this mountain because, you know, I was still having PTSD, mind you, from Hawaii, which was, yeah, I was still traumatized a little bit. And so um, this one, I said, look, I'm going to pace myself. I'm going to take it easy um, on these climbs. Just just hang with the crew, 
hang with all the other ultras who are also there suffering and take it easy and then open up when, when it's time to open up. And, and, um, I told myself when it's time to, you will know. And sure enough, when, when these slight downhills came about and, and these service roads, oh, I, I put distance. That's where, that's where I put mad distance from my competition um at that point and and just took it easy and and played it safe going uphill so um something that i usually don't do i mean i can i can jog up a mountain i can i can run up utah i can run up um hawaii for a good amount of time but i knew uh with this type of race and the success rate and the elevation gain and loss that was involved in it that i wasn't going to be able to keep that up for 32 miles so i played it safe so, you know, and I did kind of the same thing because at New Jersey, I, I pretty much jogged up that whole first climb, you know. I mean, I, I, I say jog. I mean, I'm jogging at a pace where most people are power hiking at. So at this race, what I wanted to do, I wanted to go easy for the first three hours and then try to, like, turn it on after that. And so I actually wore my heart rate belt because I finally got a watch that will hold battery life long enough to wear a heart rate belt and um so i was keeping an eye on it and i i don't think like none of the really steep climbs i didn't run up them at all i mean i was power hiking from the start and i was watching my heart rate and by the time we were at the death march i don't feel like i was power hiking extremely fast i felt like it was a normal power hiking like pace and I was in like zone four, just power hiking. And I was like, well, shit, you know, so much for kind of taking it easy, you know, for the first three hours, you know, I mean, pace wise, I, I felt like I was taking it easy, but my heart rate was like, you're, you're really not, you know? So, and then, so I noticed, and then on the downhills, you know, the downhills is where I'm, I make up time. So my, I was getting like into zone five a little bit on some of the downhills. So every time we'd hit one of those flat gravel places, I would go to a really, really slow jog and I'd be like, okay, this is where I'm going to, you know, and there weren't a lot of flat places, but I was like, when it was clean running, like on the gravel roads, that's where I was kind of slowing down, trying to breathe deeper and try to bring my heart rate back down, you know, and I was doing that and it worked well, but you know, then my gut just got away from me. Because my first lap was just, it was epic, dude. For that being as hard as it was, my time was about the same as it was for last year's race. For the first lap, anyway. That's amazing. And and I was the same, too. Like, uh, So a buddy of mine, he was he got injured in Hawaii, but he decided to, he, he hadn't come anyway to killing him. He was already like committed, right. but he, he tailgated. He didn't race at all Saturday. His, his ankle was too was too messed up but he he did hang around the festival and he met me around on my first lap to transition and he was tracking me on the kiosk and so i came around the sandbag carry and he met me up there and he said he said hey man so far you're first in your age group and you're doing really good time i think i i killed the first lap in like a little under five hours and so um he he tells me that and i and it kind of it lit me up and I said, oh, shoot, let's go. And so 
the rest of that, I, I spent maybe like less than like 10 minutes in transition eating and replenishing my hydration vest. And I was out that gate. I, I was like, I need to keep this momentum up because uh, since he told me that, it, I was like, dude, let's go. First place age group, Killington all the way. Hell yeah. So what what was your pit strategy going in? You know, you said you you filled up your hydration pack and everything and you ate two pieces of pizza, but like what is your what is always your strategy coming into the pit area during these ultra races, man? And what do you have in your bin? <laughs> so funny story because <laughs> So I've had to switch it up lately because because um last year in in Carolina Ultra um, you know, Brian and Brian was racing, uh, the ultra two, you know, he did elite right. and I guess, um, Sheila was hanging around transition and I didn't, I didn't know she was staring at me, but she was looking and, and after the race, she said, she said, yo, Phil, you're spending too much time in transition because usually back then I would change my socks. I would, <laughs> I would, you know, get water. I would, you know, take a little breather and be like, you know, la di da. And so Sheila gave me so much crap about it that I was like, oh my gosh. And so um, since then, I've been, I've been spending way less time in transition. I don't change my socks anymore. I don't have to. Apparently, I've been, I've been crushing it lately without having to do so. It right. just feels good. Yeah. So, you know, just take out that slight comfort and, and gain some more time to get out on the course. But, um, but yeah, so now lately it's, it's transition. Um, I have, um, in my bucket, um, I have, um, uh, these spring gels, which are, they're kind of like goose, but it's, um, it's not that it's not the same texture. It's actually more like a puree type texture that I enjoy more and it has more calories. Do I spring energy? Yeah. The spring, uh, the spring gels. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, I travel with those um, honey stingers, of course, too, and I just I'm just stuffing them. I'm just stuffing on my hydration vest, and um, I've been carrying the this electrolyte powder from VPN, uh, which is Bear Performance Nutrition that mm-hmm. I carry on with me, um, and I mix, I remix my flasks um, uh, to uh, to mix up, and I shake them up to take on me with the mountain because you know once those are gone, those are gone. Right. And the rest of the way is just water from the water stations. But um, I refill from that. And yes, of course, uh, one or two slices of pizza um, for the road. And of course, the second lap, I have to travel or I have to race with my um, my recently purchased or not purchased anymore. But my my gooder shades that I always um, race in because, you know, that that helped me dominate Utah. So I think those have winning powers. And so that's why I have to like race in those, at least on the second lap when it's brighter. Right. So, yeah, they look like, like, uh, ski glasses are so big. <laughs> they do, man. But you know what? They're, they're the rap G's and, oh man, I feel like Ryan Atkins every time I put those bad boys on, but you know what? It's, mm. it helps and it gives me that it's, it's just so awesome. But, um, yeah, man, you yeah, set it off, basically dude. Basically what's in my bin. So, uh, how did your second lap go? So second lap was definitely brutal. Um, the, the death march ended up being, you know, taking a few steps here then you know, sitting on the side of the mountain for like 15, 20 seconds then getting back up and, and go and just 
wash, rinse, repeat. And the reason I had to do that was because um, uh, I was I was still in in traumatized Hawaii mode. So Hawaii, by the way, I cramped up. It, it, I, I cramped the worst in my life for the very first time in Hawaii this year. That's how bad Hawaii was. And and I cramped up so early in the race. I think at like mile five that I ended up just hiking the rest of the 26 or so miles. It was, it was crazy. And so, um, Killington second lap, um, I had to, I had to kind of gauge myself and, and sit down and let my legs recover a little bit, um, before the cramp set in, because I know, I, I knew as soon as the first cramp kicked in, if it ever did, then I, I would, I would have sucked that whole last lap and I probably wouldn't have made cutoffs. And so, um, I, I, it was definitely, it was definitely a struggle bus, um, on the second lap. And, but I was able to, uh, definitely run out the, the service roads and whatever, um, whatever, uh, runnable areas were, um, right. the quads were shot. I was breaking so much on the downhills because I, yeah, I was tired right. <laughs> and I didn't want to like vomit down the hill on, on that kind of fatigue. But uh, my quads were just shot, and and then um, obstacles were um, I failed Olympus on the second lap. I think that's the only thing I I failed because um, Olympus is definitely my nemesis when it comes to uh, ultras. I can I can crush it on the first loop, but second one Olympus is just it's it, it kills me every time. So. Um, uh, failed Olympus, um, got everything else. And then of course, that's when I, that's when I ran into you. And I think, um, after bucket, we had like what her voice, right. which was super light. And then everything else at the end, which was Atlas sandbag and multi-rig. But, um, it was definitely a struggle. It, it sucked. Uh, <laughs> everything yeah. hurt, but I knew, um, two ultras, uh, with headbands had passed me, uh, that whole race. Um, but they, apparently they were in a different um, age group because I was still holding first in mine. And then the lap leader female, which was the only female ultra I saw the whole race, yeah. um, was I was hanging with her for a little bit. And I, I finally pulled away from her on the um, around the sandbag carry. So she wasn't far behind. Yeah. So on the second lap, I remember telling Tim, I was like, man, once we make it up the death march, you know, I think I can finish the race after that, you know. And I don't know why. But I forgot about that next uphill where you were underneath that ski lift that like come all the way back up to the gondola. I was like, yep. I was like, I just don't remember this being this long, you know. And then I got to thinking, you know what, me and Brent and Adam, we pretty much did that whole hill and we were just talking the whole time and it just made it fly by. And that's why I didn't remember it, you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like, because that was probably my worst point in that race was going up there. Because when we got up to the top of that gondola, I tried to, I was like, I'm going to try one more time to just squirt a gel in my mouth and just, you know, chase it with some water, you know, and just hopefully flush it down. Man, I puked that shit up for like five minutes oh. straight. It sucked. Dang. And in front of everybody, because that was like the main aid station everybody was hanging out at. And people were just watching me on all fours just puke. <laughs> yeah because i was wondering because it was at the gondola because that's where spectators were kind of going up and gathering around watching us go up and right. around 
So that's where you gave them the show? Yeah, that's exactly where I gave them the show. <laughs> and I gave no fucks. <laughs> well, I mean, you can't, right? You can't. You, you, you gotta can't. do what you gotta do. Yeah, man. It was rough, man. That's funny, though. <laughs> It was rough, man. So, but man, I was I was happy to finish that race. But you know what, I, I I come to this race this year and I put in a good training block. And I said my main goal at this race is to not hate it when I finish. Because last year, I mean, last year I placed in my age group, and when I finished that race, I swore I was never going to do it again. I had such just a bad time out there on that mountain, you know. I was just, that whole second lap, I was just hating it. I'm ready for this to be done. It's not fun anymore, you know. But when I finished this race this year, I was, I think uh, my buddy uh, uh, Mike that works in, uh, he works for Spartan. He was there, and he had a fold-up chair, and he was handing out fit aids right at finish line. And I was like, I'm fixing to sit in your chair. I sat in his chair, and I opened up a fit aid, and I was able to drink like all three-quarters of the fit aid. And I was thinking, you know what? As bad as this sucked, I would do it again next year. And I felt that at the end of the race, and that's the first race I've ever felt that way. So whatever I did, I did something right, even though my gut totally disagreed with me, man. Oh, yeah. Well, plus, you need redemption, too. I Any kind of race, especially like Hawaii, is a good example for this year. Hawaii right now, we're one and one. So I beat Hawaii last year. Hawaii beat me this year. I, I want to go back for redemption. I got to break the tie, you know? So I, I definitely feel you there because, yeah. you know, I, I believe, you know, us as Spartan racers, we got to have that mentality to say, Hey, you know what? Killington kicked my ass, you know, this year, I want to go back next year and redeem myself. Right. And cause that's what we're all about. We, yeah. we don't want, we don't want to get defeated. We don't like defeat. Mm. <laughs> we want to go out there and conquer. So, um, and, and I'm the same, I mean, I, I crushed Killington obviously, but you know, I'm, I'm definitely there with you. So you'll see me there next year, more likely in Killington. Um, cause a buddy of mine, um, Julian, uh, he, he attempted it and didn't make the cutoff. He, he, he couldn't make, um, he couldn't make the armor in time, I believe. Oh man. So he, he, he got out there, but it, he just, yeah, he couldn't reach it. He couldn't reach it in time before they, they cut him off. So so he he didn't finish the race, um, and he's he's looking for revenge next year. Um, my buddy uh, Dan, who I talked about uh, with the with, who twisted his ankle in in Hawaii, he wants to race uh, Killington Ultra next year when he's at 100. percent So you know, I, I definitely want to go out there if not to you know support my my friends and and let them get a feel and taste of that of victory as well because. Man, that buckle was not easy to get. No, it wasn't. That's, that's <laughs> what I'm saying, man. Uh, I mean, that race separates the men from the boys, and when you cross that fire jump there, it means something, you know. It, it, I mean, it brings the feels. You know that you just finished a race that when you started, you didn't know if you was going to finish or not, and it's like that every year. That's the only yeah. race that I'm scared that I won't be able to finish. <laughs> because you it's know, so I kinda, tough. I had I had that slight mentality in the back of my mind too, because of all the horror story. I, I and it's it's all the talk, right? Right. You know, people who are kind of, you know, maybe not quite at our level just yet, who talk about Killington and how horrifying it is. You know, to us, it could be, oh, you know, it's just another challenge that we're willing to accept. 
And, you know, it's, it's all about, it's all about the mind at that point, yeah. but any stories that you hear from anyone else, you know, definitely, it's definitely taken with a grain of salt because you can't take it to heart because otherwise it will mess with you on the course come race day and it'll more likely cause you to not be able to finish. So that's, that's kind of how, that's kind of going back to what separates us from the boys because, you know, it's, it's the mentality that goes along with it and who in what we want to listen to and believe prior to getting out on that course. Yeah. And I had somebody tell me one time too, that, you know, I, I think I made the comment, like, I, I wish I'd have done the beast there first. So I knew what I was getting into. And they, they said, if you would have run the beast there first, you would have probably never run the ultra because you would have done the beast and felt like that was the hardest beast I've ever done. There's no way I'd want to do an ultra here. So I think he had, a, I think he had a really good point. Like that's just one of those races where, you know, you just got to jump head first and see how you can do. And then you go from there. Like if, if it's one of those races where you don't finish, you've got to figure out what your faults were so you can improve on that the next year. And everybody talks about how I got to practice my uphill running. I got to practice my uphill running. At Killington, it's not about the uphill running. Because it's like I said, I power hiked. I mean, all the strict, steep climbs, I power hiked all of it. Like, I know I did. There wasn't a single time where I was like, I'm going to jog this section. I didn't do it. Like, it was the, the smaller grades, like probably... 15% grades, yeah, I was probably jogging slow on those. Where you make up time at Killington is at the downhills. And you've got yeah. to get your legs to where they can take that beating. You've got to get to where you can run down these sketchy downhills that most people are too scared and, and they walk down it. And there was some sketchy downhills on this course. Oh, I saw people sliding on their butts. Right. That's how sketchy it was. <laughs> yeah. And like, and this year, like, I remember there being more like technical, like running through the woods downhills. I would say there was more of that last year than there was this year. Because I remembered both sections of where we went down through the woods where it was kind of sketchy and technical, except for the ultra loop, of course, but... The main sections, I think there was one where you went through the woods right before you got on the death march. Like, I remembered that one. But in, in previous years, and it's probably because they moved the venue over to Bear Mountain Lodge from the K-1 Lodge, but, like, I, I feel like there was more technical downhill running from uh, last year. And I, might, I may be wrong, but it's just my the way my memory's serving me. That's the way I feel. Yeah, well, then, well, wasn't there also a swim last year that they didn't have this year because right. of the change in in festivals? So yeah. that was one thing. Honestly, I was kind of looking forward to because I wanted to see how I put up against you know cl climbing out of the water and hitting an obstacle and swimming back. I mean, that sounded like pretty fun. It was, and of course, it comes a year where they don't have it that I decided to do it. So. Right, it's definitely a fun obstacle, and it's like you, you with Olympus. I've never been able to complete that obstacle on the second lap because you go across just pretty much five knotted ropes, and then they got this bell that's just really high up and kind of hard to reach. And I've always got the energy to do it on the first lap, but just the fatigue sets in on the second lap, and 
I've never been able to do it on the second lap. But man, that swim feels so good mid race. <laughs> and I don't know why, but I've never cramped after the swim in Killington. But until this year, I've always cramped after the swim at West Virginia. And like, if you failed it, like they made you do like a swim penalty loop at Killington. And I guarantee you that swim was just as long as the swim at Killing. I mean, at West Virginia or close to oh, it. Man. Yeah. West Virginia. Oh my gosh. So I was swimming around those, those buoys and they were, um, the boats were pulling them in when I got around to it because they realized they, the swim was just ridiculously long. It was long. like, yeah, I was going on forever, and and of course, leave it to me being like one of the last guys before they start shortening the <laughs> course, you know. And I'm here in age group, so all right, well, thanks a lot, you know, Spartan <laughs> staff. But I mean, <laughs> should have done that to begin with. But you know, it, it was a crazy swim. Yeah, and it's not fun swimming with a life preserver on. I mean, I know they got to do it because it's safety wise, but it's just not fun. <laughs> It just feels like it fights you more than it helps. It does, but at the same time, I'm not a really good swimmer either, so I'm kind of glad for it. I'm happy for it, um, low-key, but I, I feel you there on the on – the, it, it does hold you back. Like, it doesn't let me do the freestyle full flow that I want to do, so, my, of course, the speed is a lot slower but I'm, I'm really grateful for it um, on the <laughs> other end because I suck at swimming anyway. Right on. Well, Mintak, we're almost on an hour here, and I always ask somebody the same questions every time they come on, but this I want to change it this time. So I usually ask people what's been your favorite, favorite race up until now and why, but I want to ask you, since you've done so many different ultras and so many different venues, out of all the ultras that you've done, what's been your most favorite one and why? Out of all the ultras? Yes. I mean, Hawaii, for obvious reasons. Right, because it's and, Hawaii. Which, I mean, you got to go out there. I, I mean, you said you haven't gone that far out west. I, it's it, I This year was my third time racing, and that's how great it is because it never gets old. The venue is just breathtaking and if you stay within honolulu waikiki there you can surf in like i mean the water looks like a frost gatorade it's it looks <laughs> amazing it's it's so clear and warm and perfect and there's just so much to do um around the island after you race um, so yeah definitely hawaii so I fully recommend it to anyone here listening who who's never raced it before um Dip into your 401k and do it. Just one year. Just, <laughs> just, just do it. I don't know if that's solid advice, bro. So, <laughs> so you've done it three times. What's the best way to travel out there and do it? Do you get there like a couple of days before the race and then kind of hang out a few days after the race? Or is it you get there the day before the race, do the race, and then chill? Like what? How, what, what have you found to be the best way to plan that trip? best one so far has been last year and i'll compare it to the other two times so the first time i did it which is this is the worst way to do it i flew in friday picked up my packet raced the ultra saturday raced the super and sprint sunday and then flew back sunday night back home oh that's i'm sure not that's the, the way to do it <laughs> 
last year, and this is this is the way to do it. So last year, I flew in. Um, I think about five days early before the race, I flew into Kauai, and um, I was with a group. I was with two other friends, and um, we we were in Kauai. We did a catamaran tour. Um, we did some trail running, some exploring, and then um, for a few days. And then we flew to Oahu and and raced that weekend um, and stayed in the hostel and met some really amazing friends there. And we, we toured around Honolulu and, and got to explore part of the town there. Um, and then we raced there. And then the day after, which was a Monday after Spartan, we flew over to Maui. And we, we took the road to Hana, which is this amazing, gorgeous, winding road. Um, we stayed in this amazing beachfront resort. And, um, and we, we hiked to waterfalls and, um, and biked down this humongous, like, um, volcano or mountain-type national park. We started at the top, and we just um, we took this bike tour. We just coast down um, the winding road. It was – and then after that, we flew home. That is the most amazing way to do it. If, if you have a group of friends who can cut the cost and if you're willing to stay in hostels to cut the cost of it down as well. But um, once you get there to, to fly from island to island, it's, it costs around $30, $40. Oh, wow. Uh, Hawaiian Air. Oh, I didn't yeah, know so it's, it's, yeah, so I mean, I'm balling, but I'm not balling like that. And <laughs> it really like, it really cut the cost down to travel with friends to split um, certain things, right. like you know, um, a resort if we wanted to stay there. Um, but we saved the most money staying in hostels, and um, you know, the race and airfare and food. That's that's basically it. Yeah. Um, but it was that that is the way to do it. And I had the best time ever in Hawaii that last year uh, because of that the way we did it. So. Um, if anything, if anything, anyone wants to take away from it, travel with some really great friends because it makes it all worth the while. Right. So y'all heard, y'all heard Philip say he, he's balling. So all you single ladies out there you need a sugar daddy. Here you go. Here he is. <laughs> okay, man. So give me the reverse of that question. What has been the ultra that you hated the most or liked the least, man? Fayetteville. Fayetteville? Any, I hate Fayetteville. I a, mean, a particular year, or is it just a boring venue? It's, yeah, I mean, I lived there for, you know, five years before moving to Charlotte, so uh. that's one thing, and I hated it when I lived there, so, <laughs> you know, uh, that, that's another thing that I have to drive all the way over there just to race 30 miles, right. um, and then, and, 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 and on top of that, too, yeah, it's it's flat it's hot it's the hottest time of the year right and and it's just like so um i the first podium it was my very first podium ever that i got there which was um last summer uh, last summer's fable ultra so it should be my favorite right because that's what kind of opened up and, and caused the hunger to happen to right. chase more podiums but um but i was I was just, I was about to pass out from heat exhaustion when, when he took us around that open field and oh, the God, sun yeah. was just beating down. I was, I was trying to push it because I was wanting to win so bad <laughs> that I was willing to pass out to do it. And I low key almost did just, just from exerting all that energy out there in the hot blistering heat. 
But um, Fayetteville is by far my least favorite. Yeah, it was. I'll, I'll still race it. I'll just be complaining about it the whole way. Right. It was <laughs> definitely hotter last year than it was this year. Yeah, for sure. It definitely is. But uh, yeah, that's Fayetteville is. Yeah, not not a fun one, but you know it's kind of one of those um, race and and get the heck out of there kind of states kind of venues. So. Okay, so what is your race routine for an ultra event? Like, what do you do on Friday to prepare and get ready? What are you eating? What do you? What time are you getting up before the race on Saturday morning? And what is your routine to prep before the race? What's your secrets to being such a badass, Mintac? Yeah, yeah, man, I'm, I'm there. I'm there to share all the secret sauce, you know. But, uh, but yeah. So Fridays, yeah, Fridays definitely, you know, packet pickups it just kicks everything off because once that starts off, um, I I go out and and eat um like a high carb meal. It's mostly um I'll I'll destroy a whole pizza usually the day before, um just a veggie pizza and and um and then I'll go do my grocery shopping. I'll I'll get um waters uh to mix my electrolytes in uh throughout the race and um i learned this recently but um not a lot of venue places have these uh running or athletic stores where you can buy um nutrition yeah like race nutrition and i learned that in hawaii so um i fly with that now i'll buy it here in charlotte um and just pack it with my stuff like my spring gels um honey stingers salt tablets you know what have you i'll put all that in and travel with it because um i don't want to go through the worry of it not being um in the area that i'm racing in so um all that gets laid out and um i i I pretty much lay everything out that i'm gonna wear the morning of the night before i put on a chair with my shoes and um everything that goes into the transition bag gets stuffed in there and it gets sat beside the door and um, I'll wake up, let's see, usually it's like a 6.30 start time. So I'm, depending on how far I'm from the venue, of course, determines what time I need to wake up. But right. usually I try to get to venue by 5.30, 5.45. So I calculate it from there um, the night before, depending on how far I'm staying from venue. Yeah. And um, and I, I, I suck at sleeping before the, the night before an ultra. I, I usually cannot sleep. I feel you. And and I have I, I have ultra nightmares. I have racing dreams and nightmares, and <laughs> and it's craziness. So I may get a good solid maybe five hours at the best of sleep before an ultra, because I'm just there sitting, staring at the ceiling. Just the ultra and obstacles and strategy is just swimming through my head the whole night. And then um, usually nine times out of ten, I'll wake up before my alarm clock ever goes off. And I'm right. just like, well, might as well get up and get ready. And so I'm up and ready, brush my teeth, you know, make sure my time chip is is tucked away in my hydration bag. Cannot forget the time chip. Nope. And, um, and I'm out the door, and it's game time. Hell yeah, man. What, what do you usually eat for breakfast, man? You eating leftover pizza for breakfast? So I have been known to do that. <laughs> I have been known to grab a slice on the way, but usually I have these kind breakfast bars that um, right. that I'll um, I'll eat and um, I'll eat that with a banana and um, and maybe like a bottle of uh, of coconut water or uh, just regular water. 
just uh, start something off in my stomach for uh, for race time. Right on, man. Ultra on your mom. Yeah. Ultra on your mom. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, Mintac, man, I'm out of questions, man. Is there anything you want to add to this or tell people where they can follow you on Instagram, see how badass you are? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's definitely. Um, you can follow me. I mean, I'm the only Philip Mintac, I think, in the country, but my <laughs> handle is Mintic M-I-N-T-I-C-T-A-C. And everything there that you'll see is everything Spartan and probably nothing else, nothing yeah. more. But um, I'm tr- I try to post some badass reels every race I go to, and um, I travel with a 360 camera that just captures it all. So um, anyone interested in following or you don't even have to follow, I'm public. You can just go in there and take a sneak peek and up my views or whatever. There's really no obligation, but um, just have fun uh, viewing my adventures and Hopefully it inspires more people to jump in on the Spartan world too. It's it's really fun. Travel with great friends. You get to see new places and it challenges you to, you know, be a better person. Hell yeah, man. Well, hey man, I appreciate you taking time to do this, man. We'll talk to you later. Yeah, man. Thanks a lot. Hope you enjoyed the interview. I want to thank Philip for taking time to talk to us. Uh, if you're going to be at Savage Georgia this weekend, come up to me and say, hey, Uh, Also, to everybody that's going to OCR Worlds this weekend, good luck to you and y'all have a good time. I've always heard great things about that race, although I've never been to it. So uh, I hope y'all have a fun and great race. Uh, And if you're at Savage this weekend, I'll see you there. Peace. Peace.